Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about mortgage rates falling, home prices rising for the first time in eight months, and a Fed that seems to want to break things. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Matt Dowd, Vice President of Product Management at Ice Mortgage Technology, about mortgage automation. Matt, how can lenders take advantage of automated underwriting? Let me address that in two ways. The first, and I think the most obvious, is through technology. And there's options out there, right? Uh, Lenders can build their own teams and technology to solve the problem. Or, you know, there's multiple vendors in the space that will help solve it for them. The second point is really by defining areas they want to improve. So the focus, you know, is it on faster turnaround times? Is it on increased volume? Is it better efficiencies or optimization, better quality, a better customer experience? or all the above potentially. But I think it's super important that those are clearly defined if you're going to take advantage of automated underwriting. Love that. And listeners, you can find out more at icemortgagetechnology.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. What a wonderful day to be here, Sarah Wheeler. The Gandalf line has broken. Balrog whipped his legs. And he's heading down. Okay, so tell us what that means. I know that's the 10-year yield, but in case our listeners aren't familiar, what are you talking about? So part of the 2023 forecast is to give bond market ranges tied to where mortgage rates should go, but also that, you know, this this level, you know, 3.37 to 3.42 around here was going to be a, a, a tough one to crack below. Um and a lot of this is if if the economic data started to get weaker, you know, you can break below the low level range I had was about 3.21%. So we're getting closer and closer to that level. But this Gandalf line has been tested eight different times. So on other social media outlets, I've been just doing little Gandalf videos for, for, for months now. Um, but again, what we talked about in the Housing Wire Tracker article, and for some that follow me on other social media uh, outlets, uh, the the reversal in bond yields last week wasn't as strong as before, meaning that, you know, other times bond yields would bounce off the Gandalf line. And, you know, for example, we went all the way uh, uh, back to over 4% and mortgage rates went above 7%. And today, as we're talking right now, the 10-year yield is at 3.2627. Um, unless you get a reversal, this is Wednesday, uh, as we're talking about. Uh, mortgage rates got to 6.16%. So we're almost 1% lower from where we were uh, uh, just a few months ago. And what happened? Of course, the banking crisis in America, by the way, there's some really good Fed jokes today. Um, That's changed the entire outlook for the bond market. Short-term rates have collapsed. And uh, uh, Bullard, our favorite Fed member, said, the bond market better listen to me, man. Me, 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 me. I for Fed Fed funds rate has to go higher. We need more jobs to be lost. And then Mester, another Fed member, <laughs> she literally said today, I hope the Fed doesn't tighten rates until they break something. We don't want something to break. Come on. You had to do a national emergency lending crisis over a weekend. You broke something. And it's just like now people are going, 
wait, maybe Logan's right. Maybe they are. This old. This is just slow. the craziest thing. I mean, we even even the CNBC anchors today that were playing the messengers they're like they seem a little bit out of touch now with the bond market <laughs> and what's going on. And uh, and the other anchor said, "Yeah, you would think a national emergency lending crisis situation over the weekend would would change your minds." But again, they're reading from script. They are very predictable people. Um, so. Uh, the labor data, we have four jobs reports this week. Uh, job openings uh, broke under 10 million. The ADP report, which isn't too big, but you know it came in lighter. But a lot of things to me change with the banking crisis because in a sense, the banking crisis, if it does, if it does create a tightening of credit, is like three or four or five rate hikes by itself. So bond yields, as they should have, fell. They broke the key Gandalf line, and now we have jobless claims. That's going to come out tomorrow morning. When this podcast comes out, and then Jobs Friday, uh, uh, so it's 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 a big week, right? It's a big week, and mortgage rates are down almost one percent now. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and again, this is why we do the weekly tracker. This is why we try to analyze the bond market, not mortgage rates. I'm not a mortgage backed security person, but uh, uh, and we try to think about how does this impact the housing market, the economy, and what to look for going out in the future. So I know you don't want to talk about mortgage rates primarily, but they do that this is an effect, you know, they have an effect on it. The yield has an effect on it. So let's talk about if I'm in mortgage this week and I've seen this the mortgage rates just And drop. you are Sarah Wheeler, <laughs> we are slow dancing almost one percent lower because what happened? The 10-year yields fell, bond yields broke a key line, and we are almost back to uh uh the year-to-date lows on mortgage rates. We're almost under 6% again. So we're 6.16%. That's the last pricing that I saw just before I came out here. So it works again, right? Bond yields fall, mortgage rates fall, bond yields rise, mortgage rates rise. The slowdowns have been here since 1971. Which, you know, we, so we, and we've said that once things get into either like 5.99, you know, right around the 6 mark or below, you know, that's where we really see a lot of interest. Um, you know, demand will go up. So my question to you is how long, you know, if I'm a mortgage, I go, okay, they're 1% down today. Tomorrow they're going to be up 1%, you know? Well, we have two reports coming up. So uh, the Gandalf line being broken to me is a is a big deal because uh, the sh- the bond market is now moving all together against what the Federal Reserve wants. The Federal Reserve wants people to lose their jobs, so they need rates to stay higher. Rates coming down lower, in a sense, you know, can help housing. They don't want that. They don't like the housing market. They don't care. So you're going to see some Fed people come out on TV and go, no, we can't have young people buy homes because then they'll have sex and then they'll have kids and then they'll buy stuff. And that's going to make our lives difficult, right? It's a running joke. The baby boomers have now surpassed the millennials because a lot of them don't finance some of their home purchases. So the mortgage buyers affect the youngest uh, American household. So here... um, We'll see how this Jobs Friday, I think Jobs Friday is going to be really key now, uh, considering that the Gandalf line broke. And we'll we'll take what it, what it means, because if wage growth is slowing down, that means wage growth and job market is slowing down by itself, even in a tight labor market and inflation that the growth rate falls. You don't need a job loss recession, right? You don't need millions of people to lose their jobs to make a bunch of people who are unelected officials to uh, get have their jobs be easier for them. So 
a big report coming up this Friday, uh, and that that you know can move the bond market uh, up or down. So we have jobless claims tomorrow and jobs Friday, and then. We'll take it from there with the tracker over the weekend, of course. Absolutely. And of course, we are recording this on Wednesday. So that's why when you say tomorrow, you mean Thursday when people are listening to this. So Sarah, do you have a do you have a certain slow dance song that you like? <laughs> Logan, when is the last time I slow dance? It has been a long time. So I don't know that I have one that just jumps. I, I'm I, I'm going to an event tonight and I'm gonna John Mayer uh and uh, uh Alicia Keys. Okay, I'm gonna use that song to slow dance with uh, uh and we're going to talk about mortgage rates and the ten-year yield, and we're going to like show people that this is what you should track because a lot of a lot of things have been based on that the mortgage-backed security market is what drives mortgage rates primarily, and that's not true. That's never been true. Uh, the spreads can get wide, but uh, a, a a lot of the fear tactics that have been used over the years is that once the mortgage-backed security blows up. You know the, I mean, r- rates in theory. L- I'll give I'll give everyone a good example. In 2018, the ten year yield got to three and a quarter. That was the high point back then. Mortgage rates were five percent, right? So we are literally one one percent, kind of uh, above where in a normal market it sh- it should be. Of course, that's all true. But again, if the bond market goes down, mortgage rates tend to go down with it, and vice versa. The spreads can get wide or narrow, but but here it is. And the last time we started to get down in this level. Like we just literally had one of the biggest month-to-month sales prints ever recorded in U.S. history. That still nobody wants to talk about. It. It's just really amusing. But um, that happened when mortgage rates went from seven point three seven percent all the way down to five point nine nine percent. For those remember the article back in October twenty seventh, the case for lower mortgage rates to go down, the Fed's main recessionary trigger went off. Right, so they started talking like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop rate hikes soon and everything. And then they changed everything in the early part of the year, and it just backfired on them and now they're talking about i hope we don't break something i i we need higher i need higher rates for longer i, I just want to remind everyone mester was the fed member non-voting but was the fed member who says if a job loss recession happens we might not cut rates okay so it's now starting to get into people's minds like wait a second here something doesn't seem right so a lot of this i think is talking tough and then the other half is you know the federal reserve just you know, they really want their job loss. So she even talked about that. She literally said, unemployment rates are going to go to four and a half to 4.75%. We need to raise rates higher. It's right there. So when people criticize me, no, the Fed doesn't want a job loss. They are literally telling you this on their tweets, on their messages. So either somebody needs to rewrite their script or think for yourself, like don't read the script. Think, have market intuition out here and go with that. And this is the frustration, the old and slow part of the Federal Reserve. The two-year yield has collapsed in the fastest fashion in, in recent history. Don't sound like this when that is happening, right? Wait for it to at least bounce or something, but it just it just looks so disingenuous right now when they're making these talks and the market is going one way and they're like, I'm old and slow. So... <laughs> It is super frustrating because to your point, it's like, oh, well, we might break something. It's like, I think you already broke something. I think pretty much everyone, it's unanimous, is like, this has broken something. You know, what are you waiting yeah. for? Yeah, it was like, it was, I was sat there. I'm like, did she really say that? We hope we don't raise rates high enough to break something. You had an emergency lending facility weekend. You broke something. Come on. Really? Is that, is that, is that, is that what you come out, out of that with? We had to do, we had to, we, I mean, I mean, there, there's a point where it's not even absurd. It's, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. 
something already broke, right? So that's why we need a watcher of the watcher, right? Nobody, they watch the economy, but who watches the, who watches the watcher? So that's my thing. And so far, no ramifications on the San Francisco Fed uh, after SVB Bank failed. No. Oh, did you see the milk carton? Like, where's Mary Daly? There's a she's missing. Where's President Mary Daly? Where's the person that said, "Oh, I I live a comfortable life. I make over four hundred thousand dollars. I don't know why people are stressed. I make money. Where's she at? Where's the? Oh, uh, please, 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 emergency Fed." You broke something. Help us. Help us. Milk carton. She's on a milk carton right now. Nobody, I haven't heard her say one word. You know, Logan, there might be some people in our audience who are too young to understand your milk carton reference, but that's where they used to post the pictures of missing, missing people, children, which is very, very yeah. sad. Yes. No, but I mean, some people were like, why is he talking about milk cartons? You know? No. I mean, where is the president of the San Francisco Fed yeah. when that was her district and Something broke where they needed to help her district out. So, totally understandable. Okay, so let's talk about the jobs. You said we've already gotten some things. You have a point at which you think even the Fed will look at the jobs numbers and and pivot. So you don't think we're going to be there on Friday? My whole thing uh, with the Fed pivoting is not when they will cut rates. Is that when jobless claims gets to three hundred twenty three thousand, the dynamic around the Federal Reserve will change. So we're not there yet. Uh, And this is why I say that the banking crisis is a new variable that has pushed out a a, a lot of things. The the short-term yields have collapsed. They're they're talking about rate cuts this year. Now the 10-year yield has fallen down to a level to where we're we're almost about to crack that 3.21%. So when jobless claims start to get to that level, then if the Federal Reserve goes, we believe we should raise rates higher. I want the unemployment rate to be 4.75%. We want Americans to lose jobs. I don't think that's going to fly. And there's going to be a lot of public pressure. And I I mean, I hope it, it's to the point to where, are these people really the people you want managing when this happens? And I think when jobless claims start to break, which I think they will fold at that point, right? So everybody says, no, the, the Federal Reserve says higher for longer. Mm. Mother bond market wins, right? Uh, economic data wins. That's how it's worked. They don't control the world bond markets or anything like that. So in this case, the bond market has gotten ahead of themselves. And this is a talking point we have here at Housing Wire that the Fed is old and slow, but the bond market isn't. So now economic data just becomes even more and more intensely watched. And I think that's, you know, with the job openings data falling, means softer, the ADP softer, some of the manufacturing prints are softer, the Gandalf line is broken. So jobless claims are still historically low. Job openings still historically high. We're still in makeup demand mode for jobs data. But now if wage growth starts to cool down, it just becomes harder and harder for the Fed to keep on saying we need higher rates, higher rates, higher rates. More people have to lose their jobs, lose their jobs. Then it becomes like, whoa, we, these people are not only should not be watching the economy, they need to go to therapy right <laughs> at that point. And I think that that 323,000K four-week moving average, um, when that happens, they will fold, right? Because they all look like folders to me. And we're not there yet, but already, already, even with a tighter labor market, wage growth is cooling down. These things are already happening. So um, it, it, every every week is going to be more and more critical now on what to look at. Okay. So um, it, it feels like when we talk about 
any data that isn't just like from that day, it already feels like, you know, what, what is the relevance? So, you know, purchase apps, I, I, I think they're important, but purchase apps are from last week, right? So. Yeah. So it, it is in, in a sense, uh, purchase application data started to improve after November 9th. And what, what happened was nobody cared. The national media didn't care. Other housing outlets didn't care. Nobody cared. It was actually getting improving. And I've seen this for 12 years now. When forward-looking data gets better, everyone's stuck into home prices are crashing. Home prices are crashing, which will be the next topic right now. Uh, Purchase application data got better. Mortgage rates fell. Demand stabilized. And one of the things, one of the talking points I've had uh, uh, on other outlets when that first rebound comes, it's going to be really big because we came from a waterfall dive. We had three months of positive forward-looking data. So we had one of the biggest month-to-month sales prints ever recorded in history. How did that happen? Forward-looking data got better. Numbers over people always, right? People are very strange, as the Fed members have showed us. They tend to ignore data, as the Fed members have showed us, and they tend to ignore the bond market. Bond yields went down, mortgage rates went down. So you could connect the dots here. So what occurred is that pricing, home prices, month to month, up, core logic, up more than they thought. Uh, the Black Knight Home Price Index up, the FHFA up, <clears throat> even Case Shiller, which typically is softer, the month to month declines are less. So inventory, we haven't had the spring inventory increase yet, and demand got better. You keep it as simple as that. That explains why home prices still on a year-over-year basis are positive, but the month-to-month data that was uh, trending negative. And remember, seasonality of prices, it's always here, right? The the pricing always gets stronger uh, uh, in the early part of the year, and it always fades in the second half of the year. That's always been used like for a housing crash, but last year was legit. Last year, legitimately, the weakness, the second half weakness in pricing had month-to-month declines, which we never saw. Uh, uh, for many years. So that was a legit thing. Now it's a seasonal strong period for prices. And then mortgage rates went lower, demand picked up, inventory still low. You just need to keep it simple as that. Uh, uh, the year over year data is going to start to be negative soon. Remember last year was around this time is when home prices were really accelerating. Uh, but the month to month can be only explained in that context that we're in a seasonal strong period for prices. We haven't had the spring inventory rise yet. Mortgage demand picked up as rates fell. That's it. Don't make it any more complicated than that. There's, there, there was a lot of confusion about you know, why is the month-to-month prices getting uh, stronger and reversed. And, and you just look at it in that light and it'll make sense. Every Monday you do, you you know, you've talked about the housing market tracker. You look at purchase apps, you look at uh, the 10-year yield and mortgage rates, and you look at inventory, which is the three things we're talking about today, right? And, and some other things. That inventory though, I was really hoping last week when we talked on Friday, we were like, this is, we, we've already seen the bottom. It's going to bounce up. And instead it did not. It went lower. Oh, so yep. active listings, yeah, active listings fell. So the the seasonal bottom has not come. Again, here at Housing Wire, we have a working theory on this. There has been a, a end of the year late demand runs by mortgage buyers, and it's in, with inventory being already so low, it peels off some of the home sales. Right, home sales picked up, uh, uh, and the inventory gets pushed out. The seasonal bottom gets pushed out later and later. This has not been a good year or actually not a good 12 to 15 months for the panic selling people that said millions of Americans would rush to sell to get out. 
new listings data, which was trending somewhat at par with 2021 and 2022, has basically now created a, a noticeable gap year over year. We're trending at uh, all-time lows. And remember, when I, when I say a traditional seller is a traditional buyer, uh, uh, someone who lists their home majority of the time buys, they're not 100% of the de- demand curve. Because you know, in 2021, 2022, the new listings data were trending similar. Uh, but we had much higher demand back in 2021 than in 2022, right? So because you know a first-time home buyer technically does not sell their house to buy another one, uh, a, a cash buyer or an investor does not actually have a house they sell to buy another one. In, in, in some senses, they do. But so now in 2022, new listings data was trending the same, but mortgage rates when they started to uh, perk up. Uh, a lot of people, you lose that first-time home buyer demand. You lose that mortgage buyer demand. That's reason why the baby boomers are now the bigger home buyers than millennials. They don't finance uh, a lot of a majority of their home loans, or a good portion they do. But the the young people in this country are like ninety percent plus financing their their home purchases. So naturally, the denominator they come in, and even if they uh, buy a little bit or uh, under, they become the bigger buyer. Actually, Gen X themselves are the biggest percentage buyer, but nobody cares about Gen X. Why? Because they're the middle kid. So- And you know what? I take exception to that. I am Gen X. Come on. You're not Gen X. Are you Gen X? I am. What do you think I am? Oh, don't tell me. See, I'm a a Gen Xer. So, so, okay. Well, I don't- Did you think- Are you calling me old Logan Motoshami? I, 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 I I thought you were a baby boomer, so- I'm, oh my! I, I've never I've never asked your age, so I let the audience let it reflect that this is <laughs> is this is the moment in our podcast. <laughs> I'm like, what? You're calling me old on our own podcast now, Gen X. But thank you, thank you for pointing that out. Okay, okay, we'll keep going. In in this in this context, the baby boomers naturally become the bigger buyers than millennials, just because uh, some of their purchases are cash, right? Uh, uh, and uh, the denominator works for them in that category. So now mortgage rates coming lower, where mortgage demand has picked up a little bit. And four of the last five weeks have been positive. Last week had a slight increase on mortgage rates week to week, and we had a 4% decline week to week. And one of the things that all of us have to remember going out for the rest of the year, uh, purchase application data is down 35% year over year. That's the low end of the range that we have been seeing in the last few months. By the laws of math, as the year progresses on, the comps get easier and easier. So demand can be literally flat, but the year-over-year declines will be less and less, especially the second half of the year. So we have to read the internals of the purchase application data a little bit more uh, uh, more sophisticated than in the past because we had such a collapse in demand in, in that index last year that uh, the weeklies are really important. And again, this year, we've had seven positive weekly prints. We've had five negative. Uh, three of those were noticeably negative when rates went from 5.99% to 7.10%. Uh, now we've reversed again. So now we just take it one week at a time. But again, the main point is after November 9th, the forward-looking data started to get better and very few people cared about it because it's a boring subject, I know. But it was the right way to do it. it Why? Because you know what? It's not boring this year. Nothing is nothing is boring this year. That's true. But economics done right should be boring. It's not designed, and the forward-looking data is just not something that people really care about. But home prices falling thirty-four. I, like I literally had people tell me that home prices are down twenty percent year over year, and I was like showing them every single chart: Case Shiller, CoreLogic. There's no negative year over year data yet. It'll happen for sure, but. 
It's just that so many people have invested so much of their life into the housing market crashing, and it's been 13 years now, and they're older. So it's just, it's tough. It's tough for this for this crew. And it's uh, housing went into recession in June 16th, 2022, 5.01 p.m. We wrote that. Um, went on national TV and gave the specifics. But uh, the the lack of sellers, and I think for everyone listening, this is a very key point. When de- when supply is low, you don't need demand to be booming to keep things stable. Uh, 2007 had 4 million active listings and a lot of distressed sales. 2022, home sales went back to 2007 levels, but inventory fell to below a million. So whatever happens with the uh, week-to-week data, we'll keep a track of it, but these are completely different housing cycles in, in so many different ways. And the data has shown this, but so many people are, their whole lives is about 2008 and it has to happen again to make themselves feel good. And just, it's not the case. The data has always shown this to be the fact. We had the sales collapse in America and active listing is under a million. So that's the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. That's the facts. And that is why we we have heard from lots of real estate agents that, you know, you're having multiple offers again. You're having, you know, concessions are going away in different areas. Now, not in all areas, I can tell you that as someone who's trying to sell a house, but definitely, I mean, we've we've heard, and to your point, it's just because there's so few houses for sale. In the East Coast, you really see it. On the month-to-month home price data, the West Coast is still, you know, uh, showing pr- uh, pricing weakness. But uh, in the in the data that we've seen uh, in the East Coast, uh, it's really month-to-month prices are very strong. So that's not uh, uh, that's a function of active listings being really low and demand is recovering, not very big. And that's again, that's the supply and demand equilibrium we talk about. If you're running 2008 models, then you have to run 2000 to 2008 credit models, which not a lot of people even know what that means. But if demand just picks up a little bit in inventory, there's there's the explanation on why the recent home price data was positive and why it's flipped uh, compared to what we saw toward the end of last year. Seasonality pricing is always weak at the end of the year, the second half of the year, but also we legitimately had month-to-month price declines, even with uh, uh, active listings being low. The, de- the, home, the affordability of homes that needed to be sold were living off, and this is so key, they were living off 18% home price gains in the first half of 2022. When rates went from 3 to 7%, that doesn't work anymore, right? So that has to correct itself. And that's what happened. It happened in a very fast fashion. Now, total home prices still were up in 2022. Short-term month-to-month prices are still staying firm. Why? That's where the active listing is an inventory kicks in. Because if demand picked up just a little bit, that's why your pricing data is firm. Right, so that hopefully explains to people why the the recent home price data flipped and it shows positive on a month to month basis. Seasonal strong period, demand started to get a little bit better. If demand kept on collapsing and purchase application data were still down week to week, different story. But that wasn't the case, and this is why I stress forward looking housing data works because numbers are more efficient than people. People have tend to have their own kind of takes for some nefarious reason at times, but the numbers cannot deviate from the reality of what's happening. You know, this is why, I mean, it's really hard to get a housing crash when you have less than a million homes on the market. I mean, it's just ridiculous. 
And this is why the new listings data is very critical. It has been falling for many years. There hasn't been a, a, a change or a deviation in that. Uh, people are staying in their homes longer and longer. Homeowners are, again, in a very good financial spot. We had our we had a multiple test, really, uh, COVID-19, forbearance, and then the biggest crash ever recorded in housing history for one year, and new listings data is at all-time lows. If that fact doesn't show you that a lot of these people who are talking about millions of people selling their homes to be homeless or anything, that if you haven't realized that that's not how economics or housing works, then I don't know. They duped you. Like I always said, some of these people are so clever because they, you know, fear and wonder works, right? If you could get fear and people wondering about something, you could gather them in and then you could just lie to them left and right. That's why focus on the data, focus on the numbers. We do this weekly for a reason, right? We want people to be informed for the most up-to-date data. If it's negative, it's negative. If it's positive, it's positive. But it's what the trend data has shown. And that explains a lot of the things that we've seen, at least on the demand side and on the pricing side, on the inventory side. It's a very complicated subject with many different variables. This is why I'm not a mortgage rate lockdown person, but we're here to explain it to you so you have a better understanding out there of what's going on because I, I think the home prices home price gains month to month really confused a lot of people. But if you go back to November, if you go back to December, you go back to January, what happened? Demand started to get better. Active listings did not have the summer uh, or the spring inventory increase yet. So you're just working from a smaller supply curve as demand started to get better. And it will be really interesting to see over the next couple of days and next week and it, before our next podcast to see if those mortgage rates can come down and stay lower, what that does to demand and what that means for the inventory. Does that mean some of those people are sellers who want to buy a different house or are those all you know more first-time homebuyers who are like, no, 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 I'm going to get in now? I, I just want to let people know that when people said the mortgage rate lockdown went 5% rates and rate, rates come back down to 3%, active listings would grow. It didn't, right? Because demand picks up, supply typically goes down. The, how, how it varies in a big fashion really uh, is the good conversation. But uh, if you get more mortgage buyers right now, boy. Though those listings come off the market, and that's why I believe we the inventory, the seasonal bottoms are pushed out longer and longer post 2020 because we're working from very low levels. And then in, at the end of 2020, at the end of 2021, and the end of 2022, we had mortgage demand pick up, and it's just peeling off some of the. It finally hit the sales data. We we even talked about this for for months toward the end of the year last year. That wait till the February March data comes in, you'll see the sales data increase. Why purchase application looks out thirty to ninety days. It's worked since the mid nineteen nineties for a reason because it's a series of numbers that doesn't give a about your ideological takes. <laughs> it's just forward looking demand. That's how economics works for thousands of years since the Peloponnesian War, and we're trying to explain that to everybody by using live variable numbers. And working with it because it's it's crazy out there. Bond market's crazy. Mortgage rates are crazy. The economic data is crazy. The Fed's crazy. Oh, hey, we're going to raise rates even more. We're going to have a job loss recession this year, and we're still going to raise rates. So it's just we do not make sense of all this. No, that's right. Okay, well, Logan, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being on with us. Even though you called me older than than I am, that's okay. I'm going to forgive you for that. We are actually not that far apart in age, but um, no, thank you so much. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good, Sarah. 
calling all mortgage title and insurance leaders. With interest rates shutting down your refinance business, your relationship with your real estate partners is more important than ever. HW Media wants to help you deepen relationships and find success in this competitive purchase market by inviting you to attend Gathering of Eagles. Real Trends Gathering of Eagles is the real estate industry's premier event, bringing together leaders from the most successful brokerages in the country. For the first time ever, this closed event is open to our full audience. Check out the show notes to find out more or head over to realtrends.com to purchase your ticket today. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.